Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Seth, thank you so much for calling in. Well, good morning, Dawn. It's a pleasure to be on here with you and your listeners on WPHT. Oh, thank you. You know, I and and I have to give a shout out to my my better half, Larry Menti, who actually set up the interview. So he's my way overqualified uh, associate producer this morning, right? So. <laughs> he's a great guy. I've known him for years. Yes, and and so thank you for being here and and to put into perspective as somebody who has held the job of district attorney in Philadelphia you know this job inside and out and you've worked with obviously you know what it's like to work with you know the mayor within city hall and so take me through it you tweeted this out about first of all Sherelle Parker you're obviously close with Sherelle Take us through why you think Sherelle Parker will be uh, for Philadelphia. And obviously she's facing um, Republican David O. We have to say that. But ultimately, I think with our voter registration seven to one and Republicans to Democrats, everybody all but feels that Sherelle Parker will most likely be Philadelphia's next mayor. Tell us why you think Sherelle Parker will be able to make a change as Philadelphia's mayor. Well, one, you're right. You know, I was an assistant district attorney for 10 and a half years under my uh, predecessor, Lynn Abraham. I uh, served Mayor Street as his inspector general. I was the district attorney uh, for seven and a half years, working with both Mayor Nutter and then later J- uh, Mayor Kenny. Um, so I think I do. And I was a criminal defense attorney. I was an Army JAG officer where I pr- prosecuted and defended people. So I think I have a unique perspective. Uh, also considering that I was a federal target and a federal inmate. So I I have a lot of hope um, for Sherelle Parker, who I knew when she worked for Councilwoman Pasco on her staff. I volunteered on her campaign when she first became a state rep, and I watched her grow, and I'm very thankful, you know, that she did well. But I think what's telling, and you're talking about law and order in general first, Mm -hmm. that all of the candidates running for mayor in Philadelphia, with the exception of Helen Gimm, all of them were exceptionally critical of the current district attorney, Larry Krasner, and his failed policies that have dramatically increased uh, gun violence, carjackings, um, retail thefts with businesses leaving the city in droves as a result of his, his uh, failed policies. So you're right. All of the candidates, with the exception of Helen Jim, um, were extremely critical of uh, Larry Krasner. The most critical uh, was Sherelle Parker. 
Um, and I think it's true that, you know, people in Philadelphia want to be safe. The, the Pew Charitable Trust did a poll. The number one topic on the minds of all voters was public safety. Um, so it's imperative, I think, just to preface all this by stating that, in my humble opinion, the current district attorney, um, you know, sold the city a, a bill of goods that they had to make a false choice. Yes, the criminal justice system is broken in some ways uh, with racism, classism. We have to reform it. But he sold us a bill of goods that uh, it was a false choice that we had to reform. No, it's not only reform. We have to make reforms systemically. At the same time, simultaneously, we have to promote public safety. Um, and he failed to do that. If you look at the homicide rates, um, uh, carjackings have quadrupled since 2015. So we can get into all of that. Yeah. But I think what was clear was that candidate um, Parker was able to articulate to people in the neighborhoods most affected by gun violence. If you were to see where the wards, the divisions that she won the most, were those um, where people are affected the most by gun violence, the neighborhoods that aren't the most wealthy, right? Um, those are the wards she won. And if we were to look at it, you know, you could you can make the argument, in addition to her being a, an eminently qualified candidate and her having a wonderful uh, campaign manager and running a good campaign, that people heard her say that she was going to legally bring back uh, what people talk about when they say stop and frisk, yes. which is something that Mayor Nutter had talked about when he ran. It's a little bit of a misnomer because stop and frisk is not a municipal policy, right, that a mayor can choose to implement or not. It's actually the, you know, a constitutionally mandated standard from the case called Terry versus Ohio, that people, police are allowed to stop people, to pat them down, and without a warrant, remove guns. But she talked about that on the campaign trail, and I think that resonated with the voters. So I am hopefully uh, optimistic um, that she will be able to do something different than a guy that I used to think was a friend of mine named uh, Jim Kenny, who became <laughs> mayor. He's a different person than the guy he was when he was on city council and when he was a staffer for Senator Fumo. He's a different guy now. Um, Everybody, I hear so many people saying that too, Seth. Which yeah, is I mean, sad. personally, yeah, he's much different. And, 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 you know, privately, to people that talk to him, he's highly critical of the district attorney, but publicly, he coddles him. He doesn't want to come off as being uh, racist, I think, by saying that we have to do things to reduce the gun violence. And I think, no, the people that are most affected by gun violence are black and brown people who want uh you know, who want an end to the violence, but they want it done in a fair way. And that's that's what we should be striving for as a criminal justice system. Well, and that's, you know, a piece of this, as we talked to former district attorney of Philadelphia and, and you, Seth Williams, who you referred to the fact that you had a fall from grace that's widely been covered. You're on your road to redemption and, in fact, doing great things in the city of Philadelphia with anti-violence groups and so on. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you have a unique perspective, and I think one of the when you tweeted out, and and I know that a lot of people, Larry, had caught on to that right away, Seth, that you had said, well, there are a lot of things the mayor actually can do to, and I'll put in air quotes, motivate a district attorney. 
can can you talk about that and and sure. you know expound on that a little bit? Sure. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, and we are blessed in many ways that we have the evolution and the development of the prosecutor in America is much different than anywhere else in the world. And we have independently elected, for the most part, in almost every state, with the exception of New Jersey, district attorneys are elected locally. Um, and there's benefits to that. And they can't be – generally, there, are no, there is no boss. You know, the DA – the mayor isn't the DA's boss. The people are the DA's boss. Um, the, the people control the DA at the election, at the ballot box, and juries every day. If they say guilty or not guilty, that's a control they have. But the mayor, of course, has tremendous influence and can have tremendous influence. And um, Sherelle, if she wins in November, will be able to have tremendous influence over the mayor. I'm sorry, over the district attorney, of course, through public opinion, by calling out the district attorney's failed policies, Right. Mm-hmm. We have so many young people shooting and murdering other young people. Well, in 2015, the district attorney's office, we had 2,767 petitions filed against juveniles. In 2021, Larry Krasner brought it down to 212, only 212 juvenile petitions. So it's not the severity of punishment, Dawn, that changes behavior. It's the certainty. And now in Philadelphia, people know there's you can get away with anything. Yes. Right? So the mayor controls about 90% of the district attorney's budget, right? The mayor proposes a budget. Um, it has to be uh, approved uh, by city council. The DA has to go before city council and answer questions. But the mayor sets the budget, about 90% of it. About 10% comes from uh, forfeited property, Um when, when people who are alleged to have committed crimes are doing it with a house or a car or there's jewelry and things that are seized, all that can be sold. So the mayor doesn't control that, at, that part of the budget. Uh, but 90% comes from the city. In addition to that, there's all these other things. Uh, the DA's office is in a building. Who pays the lease? The, the, the city's budget pays the lease. The city's budget pays for the gasoline in all of the district attorney's vehicles. Um, and so pressure, of course, um, on the bully pulpit, when the mayor is out saying we need this and that and the DA is not doing it, that is something that can be done, of course, through the budget. Um, but, you know, I had, um, I think, a very, very successful working relationship with Mayor Michael Nutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put our heads together. We tried to check our egos at the door uh, with Commissioner Ramsey. We created data-driven evidence-based programs um, to dramatically reduce homicides. If you look back, um, in 2013, we had the, a 45-year low of homicides. We had, we're down to 246 in 2013, right? And in 2021, Larry Krasner was up to 562 because he eliminated the programs of GunStat. That's where we follow and significantly try to prosecute people who are possessing guns illegally. We created Focus Deterrence, which was based on a book that I read by Dr. David Kennedy called Don't Shoot. And we worked together. Um, you know, we put our heads together. If there was something when you had the flash mobs downtown with kids, you know, wrecking havoc uh, downtown. We which got we've had lately. We had press What's that? We've had that lately. Yeah, we've had that lately, but when Mayor Nutter and Commissioner Ramsey and I and um, 
Kevin Dockley, who was at the time president of the family court. We met the very next day. We had a press conference, and we put it almost, almost overnight. There was an end to it back then, right? Again, it's because it's not the severity of punishment that changes behavior. It's the certainty. So what I mean by that, it's not that you just threaten to put people in prison for a million years. No, you ha- people have to know they're going to be accountable mm-hmm. when they do the wrong thing. Um, and then we have to address, you know, I re- significantly learned while I was in prison by witnessing and observing the rest of the people, we really have to do all that we can to address the criminogenic needs. Those are the things that people need so that they do not become recidivists. We have to address the lack of, of counseling and therapy for trauma, lack of education. We need to get people GEDs, vocational training, so that they can, you know, come home, um, reenter society, and get legal jobs and move forward and provide for themselves and their families. Well, that's just it. As I look at it, Seth, and I, I had this yesterday, you know, every single day I'm covering these stories. They're, and and every time there's a grandmother, especially, or a mother, um, and there there was a horrible shooting. And every, I think every morning, unfortunately, every morning when I come in and I'm looking at 4 o'clock in the morning, I think, oh, no, not again. It's a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old. I know you see the same thing. You've, you're a father. You're in the community. And, and I see it, and I hear the just, oh, my goodness, you just get chill bumps. You you hear this grandmother on a street, just no, no, or a mother or a father, grandfather. And, and it's frustrating. And so the feeling yep. of hopelessness sets in. I think there's such hope for new leadership. But then there's this feeling of, oh, no, will the next mayor of Philadelphia, will their hands be tied? Because we hear all the time current Mayor Jim Kenney say, well, they're, you know, we're doing everything we can do, but... For example, when he's criticized about the D.A. Krasner, you hear Kenny say, there's nothing I can do. Krasner's an elected official. But what you're what I hear you saying is there are things that, in other words, Sherelle Parker, of the presumed future mayor or whoever that is in Philadelphia, presumed Parker. There are there is more that could be done. Is that what you're saying here, that she can do more? Yes. I mean, there has to be communications and diplomacy, right? Um, That communications and diplomacy don't work. They don't work. They don't work until they work, right? So the mayor um, has the ability, you know, I I was a frequent guest of Mayor Nutter's in (laughs) okay? I had him come over and speak to all the assistant district attorneys in, in a meeting with him and Mayor, I mean, and Commissioner Ramsey. So you can create, and we had each other on speed dials. We talked all the time. And for a long time, I was told there's no communication between the mayor and District Attorney Krasner um, and the commissioner of the police department. And that's, uh, you know. So there's again, not symmetry, and that's a piece of it is what right. you're saying. But that's a part of it. Right. Of course, yes, he's elected independently, can do what he wants. And, you know, um, he got a plurality of a, of a six-way split vote you know, in 2017, and it is what it is. But, you know, a failure is, of course, um, what we saw, Mayor Nutter and Commissioner Ramsey and I, we began all of this that resulted in significant reductions in shootings and homicides, um, fatal shootings and non-fatal shootings, was holding people accountable for the illegal possession of firearms, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's where it starts. 
about 97% of the people who shoot and kill people possess the gun illegally. So that's, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, right? <laughs> I, I had to go to summer school at Central High School here in Philadelphia because I had failed algebra too. I just the math, the numbers just show that we have to hold people accountable for possessing guns illegally. But the current DA puts out a famous quote. He said, quote, we do not believe that arresting people and convicting them for illegal gun possession is a viable strategy to reduce gun violence. Uh, I beg to differ. It's maybe one of the most fundamental strategies for reducing gun violence is, is, uh, is arresting and successfully prosecuting people for the illegal possession of guns. In 2015, we, possessed, we prosecuted and convicted about 73% of the people that were arrested and charged with VUFA. That's a violation of the Uniform Firearms Act. It means you didn't have a license. Right? In 2021, that was down to 49%. We only withdrew 17% of our cases. Larry Kraz withdraws about 61%. I would think that there's an inversely direct proportional relationship between his failure to possess, prosecute people that possess guns illegally with the rate of violent crimes caused by guns. Similarly, his failure to hold juveniles accountable for breaking the law is directly right proportional um, to the amount of juvenile violence that we see on the streets and the subways. So is it just Krasner's, it, is it that he was a rookie because he had never, he, he came from the civil side, right? A defense attorney side. Is it, and he, and he was involved in a, a smaller law firm. Are these rookie mistakes, just horrible policy no, decisions? No, no, I disagree uh, philosophically and fundamentally almost all things with Larry Krasner. Um, and he thinks he's the smartest person in any room. But no, it's not rookie mistakes. They're intentional, right? It's Which like, is worse. I, I hate the Cowboys, right? It's like, I hate the Cowboys. It's like me getting uh, the owner of the Cowboys to make me the coach and me intentionally trashing every game as the Cowboys coach because I'm really an Eagles fan. That's what... Larry Krasner has done as a district attorney. It was never his intention to improve the quality uh, of prosecution, um, the quantity thereof, or to improve public safety. Um, you know, when you just look at retail theft, right? Retail theft is a small thing, and it leads to bigger things. His first week as the DA, he fired yeah. about 10% of the ex most experienced He's fired 31 people first day. Yes. But the first week, he put out a policy. We're only going to prosecute people who steal over $500 worth of stuff from stores. That's retail theft. Right? So, you know, that has caused CVSs. They look like the Fort Knox when you go to a CVS yes. in Philadelphia. They got right? Um, it's caused so many stores or targets and CVSs and Seven Elevens are all closing yep. and leaving, partly because their their profit margin has been completely destroyed. Because of, we're not talking about you know the hungry person who's stealing a sandwich, right, or just needs a little bit of soap. Dawn, I don't think you and Larry. I know I've never purchased over five hundred dollars worth of stuff at one time yeah. from a CVS or a Walgreens, right? Yeah, you'd have to try hard. So, they don't, so unless you steal over $500 worth of stuff in a CVS downtown, Larry doesn't want to charge you with a misdemeanor or 
you know, a felony. If you have so many misdemeanors, you can get charged with a felony uh, for retail theft. He doesn't want to do it. Um, and, and so thinking you're doing what's best for poor people, for black and brown people, by, has really done the exact opposite and has dramatically increased the mothers and grandmothers that have been grieving as a result of the gun violence, has dramatically increased the number of businesses that are being forced to leave the city. So a mayor, right, when if, in fact, um, Ms. Parker in November beats a friend of mine also in a high school, uh, he went to Central High School, David O., if she were to win or if David O. were to win, um, both of them have the ability to have tremendous influence over the DA, both through their interpersonal uh, politics and just meeting and talking. And, you know, that's a big part of, of a very all of this is just the relationships and how they can push and pull. Um, if not just publicly demanding changes and, and you know, putting on blast um, the person's failures and what the data is and what the realities are. Um, so those are things that, you know, the future mayor can do um, if, in fact, uh, you know, she believes, um, you know, that the, the DA's policies are wrong. Um, you know, also by just, you know, the policies um, by creating, you know, we were significantly, we had um, focused deterrence, which was where we identified the groups of individuals most likely to commit crimes and most likely to be the victims of those shootings. Um, that was ended by uh, Larry Krasner. So I've seen on her website, you know, she believes in focused deterrence, uh, uh-huh. Ms. Parker. So hopefully she will be able to uh, recreate it and really strengthen it through funding and the programs to, you know, the goal of it was to address those most likely to be shot and most likely to do the shooting. Because unfortunately, the intersection of the union, if we make a Venn diagram of those, the intersection of the union is about 75%. Yeah. So we, we can identify who's most likely to do the shooting and most likely to be shot. And it's pretty much the same folks. And so I think to allow the status quo is to basically say it's okay yeah. for these young black and brown men to be shot and killed because it's not people visiting uh, the Four Seasons. And so, no, we have to protect these young men and hold them accountable for possessing guns and yes. for shooting folks. And so that's what Focus Deterrence does. It's to also give them resources to make better decisions and not uh, pick up that gun and to not shoot someone because we're giving them options to get jobs. But, hey, if you, if you do shoot somebody, Got to go, got to go. You got to be held accountable. Yeah. Uh, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you, Seth Williams, former district attorney, like I say, on your own road to redemption, it's now been years, but what are you doing? What are you up to? I know you had been working on uh, working with and for some anti-violence groups and trying to reach out to young people and talk about reform. What are you, what are you up to now? Give us the latest. Well, I work, I'm, I'm blessed to have been given the opportunity by George Mosey, who used to be my first assistant to DA's office, to work with him as an advisor, strategic advisor to the Philadelphia Anti-Drug, Anti-Violence Network. Um, my passion as a result of being the DA and a criminal defense attorney, then being a federal inmate and teaching GED for almost three years was that I really saw that we need to teach vocational training and workforce development skills. Yes. to people. Um, it's not enough to just give somebody a job. We need to give them jobs, not just working, uh, you know, at 
$7 an hour at ShopRite, which is okay, right? It's honorable, but we want to give people real vocations, help them learn to become an HVAC technician, a plumber, right, a carpenter, um, a CDL driver, you know, so I've created vocational training programs for that to also give them not only the nationally recognized portable certifications, but also to give them the, the life skills, like show up on time, conflict resolution skills, addressing addictions, uh, financial literacy. So um, I have created the Second Chance Strategies LLC so that I can help employers and uh, people returning from prison and chronically unemployed folks uh, not only get jobs, but learn how to thrive in the workplace. Um, so I do those things. I'm very involved at my church, the African Episcopal Church of St. Thomas. I'm going on a prayer walk tonight with the 14th District uh, chaplains, uh, you know, walking through the community to talk to folks about gun violence and to, you know, I try to do those things. And, you know, so that's what I'm up to now and just talking to anybody about how we can use data-driven policies to make our city safer. It's it's sounds beautiful, especially this evening's prayer walk. It'll be a beautiful evening for it there in the 14th district with the chaplain, Seth Williams. Thank you so much. I hope you stop by again and we can keep in touch, but we thank you so much for your perspective, Seth Williams. Well, I really appreciate it. Please give my regards to uh, Larry. I will. I definitely will. My wink, wink. I, I, so, <laughs> I meant Larry Minty. I meant Larry Minty by that. <laughs> the good Larry. <laughs> The good Larry, yes. (laughs) Seth, thank you so much. Thank you. Be safe. Oh, thank you. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.